1: You're listening to the AME Radio Show.
2: Welcome to the AME Radio Show, everybody. I'm your host, Jason Dowd. we got a great show for you guys today, so sit back, relax, and enjoy as we talk about everything art, music, and entertainment. It is Saturday afternoon. It's the weekend, so hopefully you guys are having a lot of fun and trying new things and going new places and just enjoying yourselves. You know, Get out there and experience the world around you because that is the best place where you can find inspiration by opening up your eyes and just exploring new things. It's amazing what you can do if you just open your eyes. I learned that a long time ago and it has kept me it's kept me youthful, really. It, it it gives me new ideas and I just I just enjoy looking at the world around me. So, before we get into anything, please go check out our website www.theamemagazine.com. There you will see links to our social media networks. You will find all the stuff that we have going on, whether it's be something in the past or anything that we have new coming out. You can also find links to our Android and Apple apps, which you can download for free, newsletter, which you can sign up for and get all kinds of information, and so much more. So just go check that out when you get a chance. It's theamemagazine.com. And remember, this is the show that is the voice of artists and entertainers everywhere. We know that your art is simply an island. It may be the most beautiful island in the world, but unless somebody knows about it, it's going to be a deserted island. So we want to bring people to you. We want to show people what you can do. And if you want to be a part of this AME experience, all you have to do is just send us an email. Tell us what you do. And we want to see the passion behind you. And we want to see what you have to show the world. And we will get you on this show. Now, another thing that you can do, even if you, even if you don't really necessarily need the, ex- the uh, exposure for the stuff that you have, your story is valuable to other people. it's a testimony. In the art world, and you probably know this all too well, it is a cutthroat world. You know, I have never seen such rejection yet and also such exception at the same time. And sometimes those exceptions and those rejections can be hard. So what do you have to do? You have to have a good constitution. A lot of people give up early because they they just get frustrated with with all the no's, 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 no's. But I know and you know that those no's can turn into some amazing things down the line. It just wasn't ready for you right now. So if you want to tell your story, come on up and tell your story as well. You know, you can. if you can do it, anybody can do it. And if they can do it, you can do it. That's just the way I believe, and that's the philosophy here at the AME Radio Show. So tell your story if you don't have anything else to explore. We will definitely, definitely get you on to show your passion and inspiration. Okay, so we have a couple of great guests coming up today. I'm really excited to talk to you about uh, talk to them about what they have going on. We have first coming up Thomas Hewlett. He is the author of One Death at a Time, and he talks about his battles with alcoholism. You know, there's so many so many drug addictions and alcoholisms out there that really impact people, and it doesn't just impact the person that suffers, but it impacts the families around them, and the people that can overcome it are amazing it takes amazing strength concentration and dedication and he's going to be talking to us about how his how his writing was actually therapeutic for him while overcoming his alcoholism so this is going to be something i I cannot wait to talk to you about then we have whitney ann jenkins coming on she's a singer songwriter and actress and she has a new song out about the south florida shooting called enough is enough we're all tired of these shootings trust me we're all tired of it and we know that something has to has to change somehow, some way. Now, that may mean gun control. It may mean non-gun control. It may mean that we arm people in the schools. I don't know, but something has to change. Now, my personal view on this, and I'll, I'll say this, I don't believe gun control is the answer because gun control failed these kids here. Our government failed these kids here. And... I believe that the way to fix this is not necessarily ban people from guns because if they're not going to if if they're going to do it with something anyways, and there's so many black market guns out there coming in from Mexico and and uh, some of these other South American countries that if the criminal wants it, they're going to get it, you know. And we've tried completely banning things: drugs, alcohol, um, smoking under the age of 20, uh, under the age of eighteen. Um, none of it's hap- none of it's stopped anything. So what I believe. And I truly believe this in my heart, is that the people that go out and shoot up schools or shoot up people and, and and attack other people, they have some type of mental illness. Now, it may not be a permanent mental illness. It could just be a lapse of judgment. Um, they could have snapped. I don't know what it may be. But I believe that the best way to stop this is to assess the problem where it starts. A happy happy-go-lucky person that has everything going for them and doesn't seem to have any mental illnesses associated with them they're not depressed that i don't believe depressions a mental illness but all of those things can lead to people shooting somebody up or shooting up buildings or places like that people that don't have that and they're happy all the time they don't even think about it because they don't want to do it right so i think that i think the idea to fix this is to is to stop the problem where it starts and that is helping mending hearts and helping people that have mental illness realize that they are not freaks. They are not somebody that should be afraid of but help them to live with the condition that they have and I think that's a beautiful thing too. But regardless, this song doesn't necessarily mean gun control. It doesn't necessarily mean non-gun control. It doesn't mean anything. She just says enough is enough and I think that we need to look at solutions different solutions along the way okay so i'm going to i'm going to start off this weekend if you missed yesterday's show i talked about something very important and i'm going to kind of reiterate it here today because i think it's something that we all need to understand and i believe that failure comes from regrets because if you regret something that means you didn't do it right and it's too late to fix it Sometimes, you cannot do something and go back and do it later. That happens all the time. But for me, what happened this past weekend, I had a lot of regrets, and I cannot get it back. So it is a true failure. I failed that, and I failed myself. Now, without trying to get anybody too, too depressed here, what ended up happening was last Sunday morning, this past Sunday morning, I woke up, and my dog, who was sick, for a couple weeks, we, you know, the, the the vet did tell us that she may not make it, but there's a good good chance that she will. She actually started to seriously improve, and um, we actually were very optimistic that she was going to make it. She was starting to eat more, she was she had more energy, she just looked better. And then on Sunday morning, she had a cardiac arrest and um, passed away in our arms as we were getting her to the hospital. Now, on Monday my other dog passed away so this week i lost two dogs and each one of them i have a, a regret and a missed opportunity and i also seized an opportunity because i didn't let it happen again so i learned from my mistakes here's here's the here's the situation i work all the time constantly i'm probably working more times than i'm not and therefore i overlooked a lot of the symptoms that would have been able to allow me to fix my other dog before it got to the point it did. I would have recognized those symptoms. I would have taken her to the vet. And instead, what I kept saying is, oh, why is she just itching all the time? Why does your skin look like that? You know, why is your skin oily? Um, You know, I knew it was weird, but I didn't stop to think because I was so concentrated on other things. And because of that, too, I spent most of the time behind a computer and I wasn't there with her. So I didn't get to spend the time that she wanted with me. And I didn't spend the time that I wanted with her. And what I realized is that I didn't balance my life. And this is the lesson I learned from this. So when she passed away, I missed out on those opportunities. I missed out on the opportunity to to be with her to understand that she had a problem. And she needed to go see a doctor a long time ago. And I missed out on time of spending with her and my other dog. Okay? So that's my missed opportunities that's my regrets because I cannot get it back it is a complete failure on myself and that per- and my dog I failed her so what I realized is that you need balance in your life I and I learn this lesson hard all the time and unfortunately I don't always go through with it and embrace it you know I don't I, I, I walk the walk but I don't I can't I can talk the talk but I can't walk the walk I should say so and this can be a pr- this can be implied to anything that you do in your life this is why it's so important you have to balance three things in your life your personal health and and well-being you also have to do your personal life which is um, family friends pets uh, traveling stuff like that and work you have to have health your personal life and work. They all have to balance. It's a triunal balance. If, one's, if, you, if you spend too much time working, you're going to have a lot of money, but you're going to not have the time for your family or your health. So, so those two may fall off the, the, the grid. Now, if you still give more attention to your health and your job, your family is going to suffer. They're not going to see you, or you're going to miss out on stuff. So yes, you're making the money, but that money is in lieu of the time with your family. And it can go either which way. Uh, if you spend too much time with leisure and your family, and you forget about your health, you don't brush your teeth for a couple days because you're too busy playing video games, or you don't go outside and you become a really a recluse. You know, you're not going to get the money you're going to need to continue on your life, and you're going to miss out on your family and friends. So it works all ways, all the way around. Balance in life is extremely important, and if you ever watch any of my um, my uh, particular my photos or anything, you will see, you will see that the message that I portray is that good and evil exist and they must co-balance because too much bad is bad. Too much good is bad because you take things for granted and you don't, you don't treasure things because you haven't realized what you have until it's gone. So you have to balance good and evil in, in, in your, in life. You have to, otherwise it's not a true balanced life. So, if you look at my photos, you'll understand this. And for some other reason, I just keep forgetting to walk the walk. I can talk the talk, but I don't ever walk the walk. Now, I do have a balance of good and evil in my life. I do realize that. And when th- something does become unbalanced, either too much good, I try to make sure that I realize what I can lose by thinking about it. So I balance myself out. I know that's kind of macabre, but it works. But I have overlooked every other aspect of the balance in life. You have the good and evil. Then you have your personal, your health, and your work. So things are going to change for me. And I'm going to start taking time for myself, my family, and everything else. And I'm going to balance my life out because it's important. You guys need to do the exact same thing. Otherwise, you could end up having some serious regrets down the line. For instance, your grandmother wants you to come out and see you all the time. But you know what? You just Grandma's going to be there. Grandma will always be there. And, you know, I just don't have the time right now, and I don't really want to go out there and just talk. But you never know. You might wake up the next day, and Grandma might not be there. That's why it's important to balance your life and your priorities now. And it can lead to some amazing success down the line. The only failure that you will have in your life is if you have a regret, because that regret means you cannot go back and fix it. All right, so that's my little that's my little speech for you guys. I am hope I hope you take my lesson that I'm giving here to heart. Don't let it depress you. Use it as inspiration and solve the problem while you can. Balance your life in everything that you do, and you will have a full and fulfilled life. I promise you. And I'm working on that with you, so we're going to do it together. And I'm not going to have any more regrets in my life. I am done with regrets. All right, guys, so let's go right now to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have Thomas Hewlett on the line. I think you guys are going to really like his story and his inspiration for you as well. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Do you love
3: horror, the strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird.
1: <laughs>
3: Your time hasn't come yet, baby. You got a lot of dreams to go. Your time hasn't come yet, baby.
2: Hey guys, it's Jason Down, and I got a special announcement for you. You know, it's hard to believe, but 2018 marks the 50th anniversary of Elvis Presley's Speedway co-star victoria page Myerink will be making personal appearances throughout the year sharing her memories of elvis visit myerinkcom that's m-e-y-e-r-i-n-k.com to find out where or to host a screening or speedway event of your own with victoria she's going to be bringing candid special behind the scenes memories of working with elvis again to find out how you can have your own personal screening or speedway event with victoria just go to myerink.com. M E Y E R I N K dot com.
1: The little boy next door who only makes you sore is
0: going to someday turn your head for right now. Hi, this is Ashley Scott, and you're listening to AME Radio.
2: That's our special guest. His name is Thomas Hewlett. He is the author of a book coming out later this year called The Twelve Stakes. And we are excited to talk to him about his book. And he's had some pretty amazing life experiences that helped him write this book through therapy. This was kind of like a, a form of therapy for him. So welcome, Thomas. How are you doing today? I'm
3: good. Thanks for having me.
2: You're welcome. So I see that you had a pretty hard life and it, it, really, kind of, it, it really took a, a big toll on you. And it looks like that this book probably helped you. Um, I don't know. Get, maybe it did something to help you out along the way because I believe that art is therapy, no matter what type of art it is. Um, is that the case for you? Did this does this book help you? Um, you know, deal with the situation, get yourself back on track.
3: This book, uh, uh, writing the first book, and in and fact working on this series, the whole thing. Uh, it's not hyperbole to say that it saved my life. Mm-hmm. I do agree with you that art therapy and getting the uh, getting the opportunity to work out the issues uh that I went through with addiction recovery in the writing uh the book became a safe place to examine that examine my life and and uh and talk to other people about it as well and share what happened and open up about it so yes it 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 definitely turned everything around
2: mm-hmm. When did you realize you wanted to write a book? How long? How has this been something that's like been boiling in your in your in your in your uh, your your heart for years, or like that, or did it just kind of just you wake up say, "I'm going to write a book," and I'm going and to and you went out and did it?
3: Oh no, this was uh, this was baked into my DNA. <laughs> <laughs> I I came out wanting to be a writer. I knew it when I was a kid. I wanted to be a professional writer, um, and everything I went through between then and now, I knew I was the whole time i knew i had gone off course and uh, had lost the uh, plot of my own life and i always wanted to get back there so that when i when i got back to when i got into recovery and they asked me, you know what's the one thing you're going to do i i knew right away that okay i'm here to write a book i'm going to do that no matter what
2: mm-hmm. well that's good that, you're, that you always had that focus and you know it what i love about writing and movies and anything else is that you can tell stories And, you know, share some amazing experiences with other people. And I love telling stories. I think that's so important to not only us now, but people a long time ago. Storytelling is a a major impact on humankind.
3: No, I agree. I agree. Everything we do and learn is, uh, is passed on through stories. And even the questions we have about how to live and how to be here, uh, we know that people have always been asking these questions and always will. And we can kind of contribute to this ongoing story with our own uh, experience and input.
2: So what are your, what were the, the books or some of the authors that inspired you to write a book yourself? Or what are some of the genres that you just enjoy and you like being a part of as a writer yourself?
3: My books and uh, my reading experience and everything that came together, I, I like reading uh, a fairly mixed, Eclectic version of uh, science fiction, fantasy, horror, as well as uh, mystery novels, especially the uh, the old hard-boiled uh, detective novels like Raymond Chandler, mm-hmm. Dashiell Hammett. I mix those in with uh, Anne Rice, Charlie Houston you know, and uh, and that uh, that kind of gave birth to the mixed genre, if you will, that I that I work in now.
2: So this particular book that you wrote, Twelve Stakes, it has a Aura of vampires in it. Am, am I right? Yes, yeah, Twelve
3: Stakes is the name of the of the entire series. Right. It's going to be uh, thirteen books <laughs> when it's done. Well, There's uh, two out now, and one uh, in April. Third one in April. But the the vampires are at the heart of this. the The main character is the, uh, ex uh, LAPD police detective who's a vampire. He's from the he's a guy from the old LA, nineteen forties LA. And he's uh, kind of driving uh, this story as he digs deeper and deeper into the central mysteries.
2: Mm. So how did he become a vampire?
3: He was investigating the uh, Black Dahlia, the famous Black Dahlia murders in Los Angeles. And he, uh, he made a uh, rather hasty decision one night to pursue a suspect on his own without waiting for backup. And it turned out uh, he walked right into his own death. And uh, when he woke up, he was changed.
2: Wow. So, what is so inspiring about vampires that you wanted to write a thirteen novel, a thirteen series <laughs> novel about vampires? Because I mean, I love vampires. I love, I love the old movies. I love the 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 mm-hmm. the, the stories about them. Uh, what was it for you?
3: I saw something in the vampire mythos that really resonated with me as an addict, as an alcoholic. They're driven by this. Uh, this need to drink blood, this, uh, kind of they're driven by the demons inside of them. And I saw a lot of um, uh, parallels with what I was going through at the time and uh, working with the other addicts, I knew this whole uh, idea of a lot of addicts see themselves as monsters. Hmm. And I wanted to take that and take a character like that and find redemption for him. How do we turn that, that uh, monster into a hero? How do we work with those inner demons to, to do some good in the world? And that's the, what's facing the characters, and in a larger sense, that's what's facing all of us as well, especially those of us who struggle with these issues. You know, how do we see ourselves as not cursed, but maybe gifted with an opportunity to change our lives and the lives of other people?
2: You know, that's a very powerful uh, similarities that you that you just put in, out, pointed out there. You know, a lot of people believe that. Sometimes vampires do exist, uh, you know maybe not the kinds that go out and turn into bats or can 't see their reflection in the mirror, but yet they go out there and they drink blood and, they, and you know they they go after people they 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 horrify people, but what if vampires are real but they 're real in a different sense, like you said with an addiction you know you, that that 's a a very powerful um, point that could that could be made for something like that it's not it 's not the 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 horror vampire that we're used to, but it's still a nightmare for the person that's living it.
3: Yes, it is. I mean, the, uh, what the characters go through and discovering this, this, uh, this monstrous state inside of them and having no control over it, having to learn and to find a, a way to live with it and to do something with it, it's a horrible uh, thing for them to go through, and I wanted to treat that on a more uh, realistic level. Like, what would it really be like day-to-day? What would you think of yourself if you had to go through this? And what would you what would you have to struggle through to come to a place of peace with it? And I think um, that journey for me is kind of a different way of looking at the horror genre. Horror traditionally has been we make these monsters in order to reflect something monstrous in humanity and ultimately we kill the monsters in order to restore the status quo. Mm-hmm. I want it to go the other way. What if the monster is Saving the monster is saving something in us as well. Why is it always about? <laughs> why is it always about killing the monster? What about from their point of view? What if they could? What if they want to help? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what if they want to be more than they are? You know, what if they want to restore their humanity in some way? And that's the place I'm I'm writing towards, and I think this is why I'm just fascinated with this character and this uh, this theme. Mm.
2: So tell everybody a, a little brief synopsis about the book Twelve Stakes and uh, give, you know, kind of give them a, an idea of what it's about, without giving away anything, of course, because you don't want to do that. You want them to go check it out themselves. But how are you going to, uh, once you say that, how, how are you trying to prolong this into a longer series? What are some of the things that you decided to do to um, bring, bring out the story longer?
3: Well, once I created the world and the first character, Jack Strayhorn the vampire, uh, the world is actually populated with four different species of monsters vampires, werewolves, say what we know traditionally as the fairies, and uh, witches. And so I have uh, four characters, one from each species. They're all going through their own journey of you know, grappling with their, uh, with their own demons and their own enemies. And they're slowly making their way towards each other in order to fight a, uh, the central big bad guy who's out on the horizon, who's been foretold by this prophecy he's coming to Earth. And they're going to have to learn to work together and unite in order to defeat him. So the story, the series really tells the journey of all four of these uh, creatures coming together.
2: Mm. So what are some, why did you decide to have those particular creatures as a uh, topic in here? Because there's so many other ones that you could could also use. What made this particular type of character necessary for your story? Why did you choose a vampire and a, and a, uh, a werewolf and a witch and a fairy?
3: Well, what I, what I saw in the vampires and their relations to the addict was very, that was a very natural, organic first step. And from there, I saw parallels as well with the werewolf stories. You know, once a month we have, uh, with the full moon, there's something inside of these guys that, that tears out and transforms them. That, that also spoke to me on that kind of level of, uh, inner demons and the struggle with those. The wishes came along the same way. I saw in the, uh, 12-step support groups, something akin to uh, the spiritual support groups of a witch's coven, say. And I wanted them grappling with their own magic in the same way, and they would have to come together and find support. You know, what, what happens to a witch on, on their own versus when they come together in a group, that magic, that, uh, that sense of uh, community, that coven, it increases what they do. And that was really interesting to work into the story. And the Fae came along because traditionally they have a connection to earth magic and, and alchemy that played into my world. Uh, they showed up as these are the guys who make the uh, drug. They make this magical drug called pixie dust, which is just wreaking havoc on this world. So they're an interesting kind of trickster uh, character that that kind of grew in naturally as well.
2: Now, are your characters interacting with humans at all, or is it pretty much just... You know, they're on their own, they're in the forest or in wherever they are, and they just go after to try to um, take care of this, this entity that's coming later.
3: Well, the, the vamps the, and the werewolves and the witches are li- basically hiding in plain sight, and it takes okay. kind of every ounce of control for these guys and, uh, to uh, maintain their cover. They're kind of always on the edge of, of losing it, which is why they need each other in various ways to kind of help each other through this. Um, the the fae the fairies are the really ones who kind of live in a parallel world to our own uh, traditionally they have no interest in in humankind or human life except the uh, some of the characters in these books are the younger generations of the fairies are, are are waking up to the fact that they could be in fact in fact very influential in human life and they're kind of making plans to uh, try to gain more power here
2: mm-hmm. now obviously this book is a little is is fictional but what do you hope that people take away from it when they read it?
3: Well, I really want people to be immersed in this world and just, just have fun being there and kind of lose themselves in it and start identifying with the characters and just having fun with it. And underneath that, I would like them to take away this vision I have of, of hope for all these characters. Hope that no matter what monstrous thing you've done, like, there's always a chance for redemption. and a chance to turn your life around. There's a chance to to confront that and use it rather than being uh, destroyed by it. Uh, ultimately, I'm a, a uh, an optimist about these kinds of things because I've seen so many real life redemption stories with the people I work with.
2: Mm. So it's possible that these that these particular uh, monsters can actually become a hero.
3: Yes, in my world, they definitely can. <laughs> See,
2: that's 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 a great point, and it's a it's a it's. It's something that I truly believe in, too, that anybody can change. And it's just of how you want to go about doing that. If people want to change, they can make themselves change and, and they can give themselves a new light. Um, and I think that's very important for us to live by in, in today's society because, I mean, there's so many t- things that you know, people get themselves stuck with and they're like, oh, I'll, never be, I'll never be this person. I'll never be like that. But they can be if they want to. People have amazing capacities for achievement and for change mm-hmm. and
3: for bending the reality around them. And if if people are in doubt about that, you just have to remember that the life you have now, even if you don't like it, think of all that went into creating it. You created all of this around you, and you have the power to create something else, something better, something bigger. I mean, we have just these just uh, untold capacities that uh, I would love everyone to be able to tap into and believe in.
2: Mm-hmm. So... With this book coming out here, uh, tell everybody when this particular book's coming out, and of course where they can find the book.
3: Well, you can find the first two books. Uh, One death at a time is the first book. It's followed up by darkness of the spirit. They're on uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple. Uh, the third book, a devil of your own, is coming out at the end of April. And um, also, if you're if you're in Los Angeles, you can find these books in uh, in uh, the last bookstore downtown or a book soup over in Hollywood.
2: Do you have a website?
3: I do. It is twelve fakes.com and fakes is uh S T A K E S. Like stake through the heart.
2: <laughs> well Thomas, uh we're running out of time so I wanna thank you for coming on here and being a great guest. I love that you I love your idea and your and your vision for this. And I'm hoping that people will also realize that, you know, just because you're you're maybe labeled something doesn't mean you have to stick with that label either. And that's a great message for everybody out there. Thank you. I hope we can believe in that, too. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after this, so don't go anywhere. Jason Dowd of Imagination Art Studios is proud to announce the release of his Steampunk collection, which is currently on tour across the country. There you will see beautiful handmade masks from Venice, Italy that accentuate beautiful women to create amazing stories and feelings to those who visit the collection. Each photo series has a theme, mask authentic props and beautifully elaborate outfits all collaborated in the mind of jason dow to create the right emotion and feeling the masks come from a shop at epcot at the italian pavilion where all these photos are on display for you to see this is one of the biggest accomplishments of his career having his work at disney Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czar's. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios, and Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them.
0: Hi, this is Crystal Hunt. I play Alicia Trisk on the new Pure PureFlix original series, Hilton Head Island. Log on to pureflix.com so you can stream Hilton Head Island and see me along with my mother, played by Don Mills, and my brother, played by Antonio Sabato Jr. Hope you tune in. Hi, this is Serena Palmer from Radio Rebel, and you're listening to the AME
3: radio show.
1: Won't you
2: Welcome back, everybody. We have on the line with us our special guest. Her name is Whitney Ann Jenkins. She's an actress, a singer-songwriter, and she is a um, a voiceover actress. And she is going to be talking to us about some new things that she has coming out, plus, this, plus what she loves the most about the arts that she's in. But she just released a brand new song called Enough is Enough, which is Basically, referencing the Parkland shooting, but I'm sure it can be used for other instances as well, but this is the main focus of it. So welcome to the show. How are you doing today, Whitney?
0: I am great. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Oh you're welcome. So before we get into anything that you're doing, let's kind of tell everybody how you got to what you do. Um How did you get into the arts? How did you get into the music and acting and and what made it so appealing for you?
0: Okay, um I started at a really uh, early age. I started dance class when I was three years old, and uh, my mom likes to tell the story. Um, I was terrified to get on stage for my uh, first dance recital, but during the rehearsal, something happened with the music, and it broke. And so we had to do the performance for a second time, and I was begging my mom to go on stage. Um, So uh, I sort of got the bug right away. Uh, I started taking piano lessons when I was five, and my dad played guitar and was very musical and he played old classics like Bob Dylan and songs like that, and that I would sing along to with him. And uh, that sort of really inspired me um, to, you know, perform and act. And I was like a really inquisitive existentially. Um, when I was a child, I was playing in my backyard trying to, you know, understand my purpose of life and what it was about. And I would watch movies and act them out and I would become almost obsessed with movies that had pain in them. Because I was trying to understand the truth of that and really understand, you know, where they were coming from and why Mm -hmm. when I was around ten. So it affected me at an early age.
2: Wow. So you're almost like one of those body jumpers. You you enjoyed, you know, completely Im- immersing yourself in a character and seeing what it would be like to be them.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: What was that on? Was that on like Quantum Leap, I think it was, where they did it? Yeah, I think it was Quantum <laughs> Leap.
0: I think so, yeah. My mom used to watch that, so I, I would see that every now and then.
2: <laughs> so what was what what really came first for, for you with your big break? Was it acting or was it music or was it both?
0: Okay, um, so I was actually a really shy child. Um, and I was so shy that whenever a substitute teacher would come into the classroom, um, they would like ask me a question and my classmates would answer for me and be like, Oh, she doesn't talk. Um, I was that quiet. So it was a big surprise to everyone when when I was in sixth grade, and I decided to sing a song for the talent show. And everyone was in complete shock. Um, <laughs> Not only because they didn't know that I could talk, but um, that I was actually decent at it. <laughs> and so then I started getting involved in theater. And I performed in theater pretty nonstop from the time I was 13 until basically now. Um, theater was a really big passion of mine. I started out in musicals and then I found my way into, you know, straight place. And went to college for acting in Chicago mm-hmm. where I got my acting degree and eventually ended up in Los Angeles
2: that's cool you know you were so much similar to me when I was growing up i I, I never spoke either. I was very shy myself and uh, we had our 20 year reunion last year and we did this thing where we took a video and we wanted to show people like what we're doing what we're what we've been up to where, where, we, where we've been and all this other kind of stuff and I did the first one for my class, and, you know, I got most of the comments on there were positive, and, and the funniest ones were, I've never heard you say that many words in one sentence before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and I'm sure uh, you got, oh, stop talking so much. I'm sure people told you that, too, which became oh, yeah. annoying.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool <laughs> how, how you grow up and things change and you break out of your molds and stuff like that.
0: Well, now you're, you're a talk show host. So yeah, things have definitely changed for you, right? (laughs) Who'd have guessed?
2: But um, so you know, what's what's um, what what do you like the most about theater? Because theater's quite different from you know your your typical your typical uh, movies and television. And I think it's because it's live. So there's really like not a chance to to mess up as much. So what what do you love the most about it? What makes you so passionate about theater?
0: Um, theater um, theater is almost like a meditation for me in a way because you have to truly be in the moment
2: mm-hmm.
1: you
0: know you you can't be thinking about what you're going to have for dinner the next day or something like that you have to be in the moment to be effective performer and also the audience feeding off the audience and their energy um, it's different every night and that's that's really exciting
2: it sure is so. With this particular song that you have, Enough Is Enough, is this like a part of, I'm sure it's a special project that you did, but do you have this, uh, do you have any other uh, full-length albums or EPs or anything else? And is this going to be a part of one of those in the future?
0: Um, I do have a full album out. Um, That came about because when I lived in Los Angeles the first time, um, this is my second go-around in L.A., Um, I was working as a struggling actor and I was really frustrated with sort of the inauthenticity of, you know, being in the industry. Um, And I got like a small part on scrubs and then like nothing and I was like frustrated. And so my friend gave me a guitar and I started writing songs um, and it just sort of happened very naturally for me to write down things that I was going through and express them through music. And Shortly after, I think it was like two months of writing, I submitted myself to a music management company who was looking for artists, and they liked me, and then they sent me to work with a music producer, and he liked me, Um, but it became kind of cliche, and so I got frustrated again. I packed all my sundresses into a suitcase, I took my guitar, and I escaped to Italy, where I played in cafes and worked for a family that I didn't know. And I was there for about three months, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I went back to Pittsburgh, where my family was, and I auditioned for a progressive rock band that was looking for a lead singer. And it turned out that wasn't really my cup of tea, that style of music. Um, but uh, the lead guitarist of the band also had a studio. And I said, I have these original songs that I wrote. I'm not sure what to do with them. he said, OK, well, you know, come into the studio sometime and play them for me. And we'll see what we can do. Mm -hmm. And he ended up um, offering to produce my album for me. And we formed a band. The band is called Whitney Ann Jenkins and Her Platonic Guy Friends. Mm -hmm. And we released an album um, called Downstage Left.
2: So what style do you consider your music to be?
0: That's a very tough question. (laughs) Um, it's (laughs) it's, It's eclectic. I would say probably alternative um indie rock um with elements of folk and jazz in there too
2: well see that's what's fun about it it keeps it it keeps it something for everybody then
0: yeah yeah but yeah so i I like music that tells stories that's what i'm big about so you know bob dylan Joni mitchell all those people have a big influence
2: yeah their music really did tell deep stories and you know just different situations during the time frames and just how they live themselves i mean it, i love I love their music because of that. I love to be able to hear mm-hmm. musical stories. right. So when you wrote this song, Enough is Enough, uh, was this strictly for the Parkland shooting, or is this just a, 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 like a song that could fit a little bit of everything? I mean, there's so many things that this could fit into probably. I mean, you're thinking of like, when I was sitting here uh, listening to th- to the song, I was thinking, you know, this could also be like uh, domestic abuse. It could, be, um, it could be somebody that's just in a, in a bad relationship or something like that. Is there more meanings to this particular song, or is this strictly for this particular uh, Parkland shooting?
0: Um, yeah, it's... Um, it's strictly in response to the Parkland shooting that I wrote it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, uh, when I was in high school, um, when I was a freshman, Columbine happened. Mm -hmm. And so that, um, had an effect on me, but also, um, the Parkland shooting had an effect on me on a deeper level because one of my former teachers and a friend that I've kind of kept in touch with over the years is now the football coach and teacher at the Parkland High School. Hmm. And so it added another layer of effect on me. And so, you know, the wheel started turning in my head, and I realized, wow, it's been 20 years almost since Columbine happened, and nothing's been done yet. Nothing's changed, really.
2: That's and true. And so that's
0: where the song spring from. Hmm.
2: Now, did you go to Columbine, or that was just the first time that you had something like that to where you you witnessed it to, yeah, that to was, shock you? That
0: was like, yeah, because I was in high school, um, and Columbine happened when I was a freshman
2: mm.
0: um, in high school, so it it affected um, everybody. I mean, we had you know cold red drills every now and then, and sometimes like they would have metal detectors and you know no backpacks in school, that kind of thing that happened like all over the country. I'm pretty sure.
2: Well, see, when I went to school, it was bomb threats. My God, I don't know how many bomb threats we had. And we actually had two major bombs that were put in my school. And, um, you know, one of them, it was so close to me, it literally, if if it had gone off, it was only a wall and a hallway behind where I was sitting. And uh, Mm -hmm. they said it had enough power to take out one half of the school. And I was like, wow, that's intense, (laughs) you know, and... I I I realized that was the closest I've ever come to possibly dying.
0: Mhm. Yeah, that's a great feeling.
2: It is, isn't it? <laughs> but you know, the funny thing is, I've also I've also had uh, guns pulled on me by many many people, um, and one of them was my next door neighbor that I live with to uh, you know over here. And uh, I've seen that I've seen this stuff that keeps happening, and and I don't know if there is an answer. That's the, that's the sad part about it. I don't know yes. what an answer is.
0: I'm not, yeah, I don't even, think, for me, it's not even really about politics. Yeah. Uh, I mean, after Columbine happened, when I was a senior in high school, I actually won an essay contest on gun control, um, and they wanted me to read it on the West Virginia Capitol steps. Oh, that's and, cool. and it was an interesting kind of place because I lived in a small town, and um, for me to have these, you know, opinions of, like, gun control was not really looked upon well um, because, you know, we lived in an area where they, did, they gave kids school off a whole week for, like, deer hunting season, so mm-hmm. people don't want their rights taken away. Sure. Um, but I don't really feel like it's about politics. It's more about, like, the value of the life over a material object.
2: You know, what I really think needs to happen, and I think this is probably the only thing that is really ever going to change, because the people that actually pulled guns on me and they arrested the people, the guns were, were bought in the black market. And they came over here from, from mm-hmm. ports around, uh, around other places. So they weren't even bought legally. But what I think the biggest thing that we could do, and I think it's important, not only just for people that, sh- that are, you know, these aggressors, but potential other things, too, with suicide and everything else, is you know, we're not looking at the mental health of people. And, you know, there mm-hmm. are people that are suffering out there. You know, I, don't, I, I never thought about bringing a, a gun into school and shooting anybody up, no matter how badly I was bullied. And... The, I think that if we if we open up the, our eyes to the people's emotions and people that are that are hurting inside, that's where you're, that's where our ticking time bomb comes from. You know, I mean, right. like you know, I know you would never think about shooting up a, a school or anything like that, or or even hurting anybody. You know, so I think that you know you can't be right in the head to do something like that. And I think that's where we really should look at. You know, focusing on because I think that is really the root of, all, of of the cause of things. These people are are angry. These people are hurting, and they're willing to hurt somebody. And it doesn't really matter what they do to do it to use it use it with. I mean, granted, a gun can do more damage probably in a short amount of time than a knife could, but that doesn't mean they couldn't bring in a knife and stab a bunch of people. You know, th- that's why I'm thinking that the best way that we can sure, attack yeah. this is is mental health.
0: It's it's a very complex situation. Uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also like the ability to have an assault weapon, though, um, because if you just look up the definition of assault in the dictionary, it's kind of absurd that you're able to get one anyway.
2: Right. It is crazy how, how all this stuff happens, and what really shocked me, and I don't know, I, I don't know how long it's been out, but it, it just hit me today. But the kid that actually did this, which was really scary, he, he was informed, by, the FBI was informed of him. And then on top mm-hmm. of it, the police came to his house over 39 times for violent situations. And I can't believe he was even able to buy a gun legally. I mean, yeah, what, if, what, if, yeah, what do we have to do?
0: Very puzzling. Very, very puzzling. Um, and then people have gun shows also, where, where and people trade. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't think it's it's not kept track of. Um, we got to do something.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I I do believe that. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if completely wiping out the guns is is the is the answer. I don't believe that. And I do believe that for other reasons too. And it's not political reasons. It's actually from the the standpoint of why the Second Amendment was written. But I do believe that there are some things that we just don't need as a, as a human species to go out there and mm-hmm. and, and have access to. But um, you know, I don't I don't know what that answer is. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's a there's a compromise. It's either all or nothing along the way. So I don't know. I I, I don't yeah. believe I don't believe we need to do all, and I don't believe we need to do nothing either.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't. I don't it's not about taking people's rights away. It's just about having more control.
2: Mm-hmm. Well. Um, this is something I, you know, it, it, unfortunately, it's, it. I hopefully, hopefully, this will be the last one. I really do. I, I hope this was the last one. I hope it wakes people up a little bit, and I'm glad that you that you wrote a song for this. And I'm hoping that it'll it'll help people not only recognize this but also maybe feel comfort. Uh, you know, sometimes music can do that to people, especially if they're hurting yeah, at a certain yeah. point in time.
0: Definitely, like music has a, an ability to like, convey emotion.
2: It does. Uh, that you might
0: not be able to, you know, speak
2: verbally. So. That's what I love about music. It it, 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 there's so many things it can do for a soul, a heart. It can, it can transport you to a good time. It can transport you to sad times, depending on what song it is and, um, and the memories that you may have with it. But it, it's an amazing tool, and I think that when I get tired, or I get sad, or I get ha- or when I feel an emotion, I definitely turn to music. So hopefully, I hope that this song will be able to do that to people, through this time and get us through this this crisis that we that we're seeing and. Hopefully, hopefully things will change.
0: Yeah, or at least keep the topic alive so that it doesn't fade away like um, so many of the past shootings have, yeah. because another new story will come along and you know take place.
2: In 20 years since Columbine, that's just unbelievable. I remember it like it was yesterday, and I can't believe it's been 20 years already.
0: Right, I know. I was in shock, too, and kind of dates me. but
2: Because <laughs> it doesn't seem that long, does it?
0: It doesn't. It doesn't.
2: Amazing. Well, Whitney, thank you for coming on here and being a great guest. I want to get your song on here so everybody could hear it. And how can people find you? And how can people buy the song or buy the other songs that you have through your uh, through your albums?
0: Sure. Uh, yeah, uh, my songs are available on Spotify, also on iTunes. Uh, my album is under. <coughs> excuse me, uh, Whitney Ann Jenkins and her Platonic guy friends. And my single, Enough in the Enough is Enough, um, is available um, on iTunes, Spotify, uh, and I have a music video for it also that has the lyrics. I thought that was important because uh, the lyrics are important in this song.
2: Too. Sure. Well, Whitney, thank you so much, and thank you for putting out your heart and soul into this song, and hopefully it will help change America's in some way, shape, or form.
0: Okay, thank you so much.
2: You're welcome. All right, guys, we are going to be playing right now the song called Enough is Enough. So uh, we'll be right back after this.
1: It was the spring of 1999. We heard. The Hallways Terrified The years went by More victims died More children Welcome
2: back everybody. So we are about ready to end the show here. We got about three minutes left and the time has just flown. Hopefully that you had a great time on the show today and you learned a lot. I am hoping that what I talked about today wasn't depressing to anybody. I don't want to depress anybody. Trust me. That's the farthest thing from my objective with this particular show. But what I want you to do is I want you to realize that we don't want to get ourselves into bad positions to where we can't get what we needed and we have regrets. We don't want any regrets in our lives. That's that's the whole purpose. But if you do have happen to have something, because we're going to, I mean, it's life, you know. We got to find a way of fixing our future so we we don't let this kind of stuff happen again. And there's lots of things that you can do to get out there and make yourself feel better. Because that's what I want to do. In fact, this weekend, I'm going out and having fun. You know, I, yeah, I screwed up. I, I made mistakes and I lost a lot. But I'm gonna go have some fun. I'm gonna get myself back into shape and I'm going to come back at life one hundred and ten percent and I'm going to do what I what I intended to do in the first place. And that might mean a trip to Disney, I don't know. That might mean a trip to the water park. I may go to the park, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm gonna have some fun. And another thing that will get you through a lot of the situations, a lot of these situations is art. It's amazing what writing a book Painting a picture, taking a photograph, molding some clay, um, taking scraps and turning it into a work of art, how therapeutic that can be for you. Don't forget that. And what's great about it is that in your pain and in your message or your sadness or whatever it may be, you can come out and create something amazing to make the world an amazing place to be. And you can can impact other people's lives. Isn't that great? I mean, think about that. It's a much better alternative to violence, I think. Okay, guys, so we are going to be back again next week, and we want you to be able to find us. And if you don't know where that is, let me tell you. You can find us every Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on our Drive Time channel, on our Drive Time show, on amfm247.com, and there are 11 AMFM stations across the United States. You can also find us, again, same network, amfm247.com, on Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, we have two different shows uh, because there's two guests, two different guests per show, so four guests per weekend on the AMFM 247 platform. Then you can find us on WKLAP every Friday at 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. You can find us every Saturday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on RadioLove.com. That's RadioLUV.com. You can find us on iHeart and iTunes, and if you need to find those links, it's very easy. Just go to the website, the radio website, and click Find Us. There's a link to that as well, and the show gets distributed there before anybody else hears it, so it's like our VIP package. Okay, guys, until next time, have a great weekend. Have a safe weekend. Make something amazing. Come back, tell me what you got. We got more guests for you next week. Keep those creative juices flowing. Good night, everybody.
0: That's the end? We're done. Calm down, people. Calm down. Okay? That's it.